Hello everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Nick's World of Sports. My name is Nick Zapola. Thank you for tuning in. To all the new viewers, welcome aboard. To all the past viewers, welcome back. We got a good episode for you today. Uh, if you tuned in to the very last episode that was just recorded last night, I had two very cool guests on. My first guests I had on USC Sumter baseball player Juco Bandit. Joey Dwyer, hopefully he gets a D1 uh, look after this year. He's an absolute dog. And I've had my brother, Danny Sapola, who is a sports gambling genius, I guess, after he hit a nine-leg parlay last night and won 40 bucks. His other friend uh, did win $800 on a, I think it was a six-leg parlay, which is kind of crazy. But regardless, we're not here to talk about parlays. The only thing I want to talk about from yesterday's episode is I apologize if there was some buzzing during the audio. Somehow only one mic worked in the studio yesterday. I have four microphones and only one of them worked. Um, we had some technical difficulties and I think some myself or my brother was fucking fidgeting around with the mic output somehow with our foot and lo and behold, there's a little bit of buzzing noise at some point during the podcast, so I want to apologize for that. But what I'm not going to apologize for is the following statements I'm going to make about the New York Yankees. Met fans, cover your ears. Yankees haters, cover your ears. The New York Yankees have now assembled the best pitching rotation in history. It's on paper, I get it, but there's a lot to be excited about with this rotation. The New York Yankees went out there and got the big fish in the pitching market now. They have signed free agent pitcher Carlos Rodon to a six-year deal worth about $162 million. The only thing I'm angry about, it happened when I was out. Of course, I wasn't in a studio when that fucking happened. I've been camping in the studio waiting for this news to come out. But regardless, I'm happy. Carlos fucking Rodon is in the Bronx. That's the best rotation in baseball. You can't tell me it's not. There's no argument. You have two Cy Young candidates in Garrett Cole and Rodon. You have an ace, an arguable ace in Luis Severino. You have another guy who is an all-star pitcher and was top 10 in Cy Young voting this year, Nestor Cortez. And you have Frankie Montas, who has stuff, he has number one rotation stuff when he's right. This is a very, very, very good rotation. I have all the confidence in the world in this starting rotation. There's no way this team isn't 95 to 100 wins, running away with the AL East, and is going to be very, very hard to beat in the playoffs. What wins playoff games at the end of the day? Pitching. I know the Yankees had great pitching all postseason, and the bats failed them besides Rizzo and Bader, but in honest reality, in a real perfect world, it's pitching that gets it done. It's pitching, pitching, and pitching. Even outside of the starting rotation, the Yankees have probably the best overall pitching staff in baseball now, even without Rodon before this, I think from top to bottom. When it came from the number one starter to the worst reliever in the pen, the Yankees had the best pure pitching in baseball. But now they had Rodon. They had the best starting rotation and arguably the best bullpen in baseball. They have one of the deepest staffs. You have guys in the pen now. You have guys like Ron Marinaccio, Wandy Peralta. You got Lou Trevino, Michael King coming off an injury. The, clu- the closer of the future, Jonathan Loisica, Clay Holmes, all-star last year. The Yankees' pen is deep, and the starting rotation now is even deeper. 
imagine going into the playoffs knowing there's a four-man rotation of Cole, Rodon, Severino, and Cortez. You're not beating that team. There's no way you're beating those starters four games in a row. There, there's just no way that you can beat all four of them in a row. I know the Yankees wanted to make some changes. Uh, internally, they talked about grabbing a pitcher and a bat. And I know Aaron Judge said he when he came back that he wanted the Yankees to be aggressive this offseason. And, you know, Hal has proven to be aggressive. I knew they had an offer in on Correa. That's been the word. I don't know what that offer was. I know that they were talking to other pitchers like a Syndergaard or an Evaldi, which is, again, at that point, we'd rather wanted them to trade. I know they were aggressive on the trade market talking to the Marlins about a potential Pablo Lopez and Jazz Chisholm swap, which would have been otherworldly mind-blowing to me. That would have been, whoa, 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 whoa. We're getting those two? Especially Chisholm, who's an all-star second baseman. I mean, I I wouldn't complain. He's an awesome player to watch. He's just not a contact bat at the end of the day, which kind of does stink. But also, wow, Jazz Chisholm on the Yankees would have been crazy. They also talked to the, I want to say it's the Diamondbacks, about either McCarthy or Dalton Varsho and uh, Zach Gallen to New York. That was the talks, too, but I think that one's a little too rich for our blood. They've been in talks with Brian Reynolds. The Yankees are proven to be aggressive, and you know what? I like it. I think I saw something. I can't remember if this is true or not, but I saw a tweet on my way back to the studio. I was at a Christmas party, like I said, which stunk for me not being in the studio for the Rodon announcement, but you know what? It was nice to get out of the studio for a bit and have some fun. So the Yankees have spent now... I think it's $572 million, which is the most out of any team in baseball so far. Here it is. From from Bronx Pinstripes on Twitter. The Yankees have now spent $573 million this offseason, the most by any team. More than Steve Cohen's Mets, more than the Giants, more than the Dodgers. The New York Yankees are spending again, and they're blowing through the luxury tax. They're going to blow right through it. A signing like this just shows to all the Yankee fans who have been critical of Hal, who have been critical of Cashman. It shows them that, hey, we're still willing to spend, and we're going to spend. Now that they're over that luxury tax threshold that they've been trying to not do for so much, like they've been trying not to go over it for so long, now they're like, fuck, we see little brother in in, uh, Queens spending. I was about to say Brooklyn, but it's not Brooklyn. I know it's Queens. They're spending money like crazy over there. They just spent $80 million, $84, $86 million on Justin Verlander for two years. They spent a, almost $100, if not $100 million on Max Scherzer for three. They've also spent $75 million on a kid they don't even know is going to be good in the pros or not in Kodai Senga. And they're spending money. They just brought Nimmo back on a $100 million contract. Like, that's a lot of money. That's being handed out by the New York Mets. And they want to be competitive now. And the Yankees' window is now. They're getting all the young kids up, too. you got to be competitive. And a guy like Rodon just shows us, hey, chips are on the table, too. We're also in. Because the Mets are all in. The Phillies seem to be going all in with the Trey Turner and Taiwan Walker signings. The Blue Jays seem to be, you know, I don't know if they're all in or not, but it seems like they're getting their chips ready to be all in because... They just signed a pitcher in Bassett that makes their rotation pretty good. The Dodgers are always all in, except this year it looks like they're spending less. The Giants are desperate trying to get back to the form they were in 2021, so they're definitely all in, especially with the Correa signing. 
that just makes them even better. But we're we got to be honest here. This pitching staff for the Yankees is just dynamite. Like that's all I can really say right now. That's all I can think of. This is my initial reaction to the Rodon signing. I did happen to get a chance. I pulled out my phone, of course, like three minutes after the thing came out because my phone was blowing the fuck up. Like, Carlos Rodon's the Yankees been talked about for like a week and a half now, and they finally get the deal done. It's just so nice to have it happen. Now you got to think for the Yankees what's next. What is next? Because if they're over this luxury tax, they're not just going to be barely over. They're going to blow through it. That's what the rumor has been for about a week now. You got to think left field. What's next for the New York Yankees and in left field, what is next? You have a few options. A few more than some might have thought at this time. There is, of course, bringing back Andrew Benintendi. A lot of people have been very high on that, myself included. And to be honest, I would welcome a Andrew Benintendi come back to the Bronx. I would welcome a short-term deal for a little bit higher AAV for a guy like Benintendi because it's going to benefit him. Andrew Benintendi came off of a 306 season. He was hitting like 320-something before the Yankees trade. He was cold for a little while, then started to heat up. He was a very, very good defender. He's probably the best defender left on the market when it comes to outfield defense. Him and, ironically, Joey Gallo, those two are the best defenders available on the free agent market probably in the outfield you also have guys available that might not be as appealing but Andrew Benintendi is probably the most appealing to Yankees fans because he's played in the Bronx and he played I mean despite the slow start pretty well in pinstripes he had a big game with a big home run he had a really good series against the Mets when they played them in the Bronx I like what Andrew Benintendi brings to the table for the New York Yankees however I don't know what there is to expect of a contract like we see the contracts handed out to Nimmo and I thought that Nimmo deal was an overpay a bit but the Mets did what they needed to do because it's more like the Mets needed Nimmo more than Nimmo needed the Mets and they were willing to do whatever it took to keep him because then they would have got really funky in the outfield the Yankees on the other hand they could maybe live a little less without Benintendi because there's other options available but I think for me, that's option number one for the outfield is Andrew Benintendi on a short-term deal. I think 15 to 18 per for two years with an opt-out similar to the Rizzo deal will get the job done. Could Benintendi fetch 80 to 100 mil on the open market? At this rate, I'm going to say no, just because of how long he's been out on the market for. And the other thing, too, that's kind of scaring me a bit is is he even interested in coming back in pinstripes? Is there even a chance for him to want to come back in pinstripes? I think there is definitely a case for him to be a Yankee for life, but I don't see anything happening in the next couple of days. Not for life, I say there, for the next couple of years. Because I think he sees the writing on the wall, too. The Yankees got some stud prospects coming up. This is where I'm going to kind of segue into our next option for me, my option number two. Get a stopgap. And wait for the prospects to come up. The, cent- the quote-unquote center fielder of the future in Jason Dominguez is in double-A. Com- probably going to move up to triple-A this year at early on. The Martian has shown everyone that he means business. He's, 
I think now 19, going to be 20 years old. The phenom out of, I believe it's the Dominican Republic, who's been compared to Mickey Mantle, Bo Jackson, Mike Trout. He's got all the tools, and he's moved up nicely in the uh, MLB Pipeline prospects. He had a really good Arizona Fall League. And he's a guy, I know he's a center fielder currently, but he can play a corner. He's a solid defender. Plus, that's a bat. He's a switch hitter. He hits for power and average. He's going to be a very, very good professional baseball player if he stays on the path he's on after a very nice 2022 in the minors between low A, high A, and double A. Dominguez had a really, really nice start to the year, and I really liked what I saw from the kid. I enjoy the idea of him, but knowing that the Yankees love Harrison Bader and his defense, I think Dominguez is going to slot perfectly into a corner. They also have another kid that's in AAA, Everson Pereira, another high, high-ranked prospect from, I believe it's Venezuela, Pereira, and he can play very well. He's a good all-around player, very fast, kind of a poor man's Benintendi. He was in AAA last we saw. Is he the answer in left field? We don't know. We know what current stopgap options are. Probably within house, it's going to be Aaron Hicks, unfortunately, if we don't move that contract, which I think the Yankees are motivated to move now more than ever. They could also entertain Stanton in left for a few games and rotate him, platoon him with my personal favorite, Oswaldo Cabrera, who could be on this team for a long time playing hundreds of positions. And I really like Oswaldo Cabrera. But there's another option out there that's a little bit more of a wild card, and I'm not opposed to this. This is kind of my number two Kind of keeps in my number two with a stopgap kind of guy. I like the idea of signing Michael Conforto. There, finally. Finally on record. I, I was so against it last year, but now I'm willing to say it out in public. I like the idea of signing Michael Conforto to a one-year minimum contract with a lot of incentives and have him play left field in New York in the Bronx. The other New York team, the good guys. You call me crazy if you want, but I just like the idea that Conforto is going to be 100% healthy. I know he's going to be kind of a wild card entering the season because it's Michael Conforto. He hasn't played in a year, and he was hurt his last season. He struggled mightily. He did struggle mightily last year at the Mets, or two years ago with the Mets. Do I like... Conforto long-term? Absolutely not. Do I think he's going to be a big difference maker? No, but he's a stopgap. That's why on the last podcast I said I kind of defended the Kiner-Falefa trade to an extent because he stopped the gap. He held off for as long as he could. Peraza became the option. And Peraza is clearly the shortstop going into next year. If Aaron Boone trots out Isaiah Kiner-Falefa opening day, I'm going to be the last thing he sees. I'm going to be the last thing he sees. Nothing personal, Brian. And nothing personal, Aaron Boone. Actually, yes. Personal, Aaron Boone. Fuck you. I want Bud Black. I don't want fucking Aaron Boone anymore. I'm I'm sick of Aaron Boone, dude. But again, this isn't about Aaron Boone this episode. This episode's about... Carlos Rodon being a Yankee, and it's good vibes, good juju. We're happy here, and it's also about what's next. What's the next move, or what could the next move be? 
Next move. Next move. Conforto, like I said, could be a stopgap, but I feel like at the end, if he doesn't perform, he's going to become an Isaiah Kiner-Falefa type. The difference is Conforto has been a very serviceable pro. He is an all-star. He's someone good enough to be represented by the Boris associate, Boris's agents, a Boris agency, I almost said association, but he's a Boris client, so he might ask for more. Scott Boris has been saying a lot of positive things about Conforto's recovery, saying he's 100% and he's looking to sign. He's looking very good. And all that sounds nice. But are they actually telling the truth? Or is Conforto, you know, they're, it's just smoke and mirrors. We don't know yet. We genuinely do not know what's going on with Conforto. A little bit riskier, but that's my option B. Or option number two. Option number three. The trade market. There's a few intriguing names on the trade market that I really like. There's Dalton Varsho down in uh, Arizona. I like his bat. Contact-wise, I don't know, but I think the power, he'd be very good in Yankee Stadium. Also, the versatility to catch. Dalton Varsho would be very good in the corner. I don't know about his defense necessarily because I think he was maybe below league average last year. I didn't do too much research on his defense, but I like his bat a lot. I like him, and I like what he added to the Diamondbacks lineup last year. But I feel like you could get him and then someone else for a high-rated prospect. Like, if you wanted to trade Peraza or – I don't want to trade Volpe, but if you wanted to trade Peraza for in a package surrounding him and it gets a contract off the books, like a Hicks or Donaldson off the books, that could be a nice move. That could be a very solid move that I really would like. Um, there's also the Brian Reynolds rumors that – Brian Reynolds deserves his own talk about, but Brian Reynolds will be below the uh, the current group of trade market guys for one reason and one reason only. I don't think he's going to be a good Yankee if we traded for him. I'm going to be 100% honest. He struggled a bit last year, and I got off to a slow start, I know, and I know he plays in a lineup with no protection in Pittsburgh, but I just have a gut feeling that he's not, just because the years of control and stuff, he's not worth... Jason Dominguez, Anthony Volpe, and Oswald Peraza. He's not worth one of them. He's not. He's definitely not worth two or three of them. And I don't think he's worth one of them. Just because Peraza's a pro now. He's a Major League Baseball player, and he's a very good defender with a contact bat. Anthony Volpe is being praised as the next Derek Jeter in the system. He's a top ten prospect, top five according to some places. In my mind, he's a top three currently. Because he's going to be a prospect next year. He could arguably be the number one prospect in baseball, Anthony Volpe. He's that good. He's been that good in the system. He stole 40 bags in the minors between double and triple A. He was unreal all year in double A. Then moved up to triple A and was unreal again after a slow start. I think Volpe's going to be the long-term option at either second or short. And they might kick Peraza to second or third. Although I think Peraza's glove first, he could play anywhere on a diamond. I think he's more of a natural shortstop compared to Volpe. But I do like Volpe being on this team in the future. I do not want to trade him away. He is Him, Peraza, and Dominguez are off limits unless it's, of course, trading for Shohei Otani or Juan Soto or Mike Trout even. A, uh, a potential franchise-altering player where it's worth moving the farm. Because there's very few that are worth moving the farm. I do like the idea of, like I said, Dalton Varsho. 
but there is one other name that stands out to me, and I want to shout out someone on who mentioned this to me. Big Yankees fan. Her name is Bella. Uh, we talk a little bit through DM sometimes because she talks a lot about the Yankees herself. She shot me a DM after the Rodon signing and said the Yankees should trade for Ian Happ. And also on the Yankees were linked to before the Benintendi trade. And he's from the Cubs. He has one more year of control. And the Yankees and Cubs have been, you know, good at making deals in the past. They've done the Chapman deal. They've done the Rizzo deal. The Scott F. Ross deal. It's time for, uh, I think, Cash and Hal to get back on the phone and talk to Chicago. I would really like to see Ian Happy a Yankee, and I think he's a perfect Yankee. He's a switch hitter, good glove, an all-star. We had a really good year last year. He's 28. I think he has better potential to fit in with this Yankees lineup. Brian Reynolds would be a big piece, don't get me wrong, but I think Hap is a better option just to also be a stopgap. He could stop the bleeding. And he could play very good defense in left field. That's if we don't get Benintendi back. Because I think the trade market's going to be really hot in the new year. I think in September. Not September. I think come end of December, beginning of January, once a lot of the big names are off the board, that's going to be a good piece to talk about is Ian Happ. He might be made available. Although the Cubs have shown some, you know, some potential to spend a bit. They just bought in on Jamison Tyone. They're talking to Dansby, who I think Dansby might go there. I have some updated rankings to talk about, obviously. But, again, I think that that's a better option than going to get Brian Reynolds, Ian Happ, if they decide to put him available, make him available. I would have liked to have seen the Yankees maybe even go after Teoscar Hernandez, but I knew they wouldn't trade him in division. That's just plain and simple. There's... Also, we got to talk now about Brian Reynolds. I already vamped about him. Brian Reynolds is my last option. And the bottom, bottom option, worst case scenario. And I can't believe I'm fucking saying this. Because I have Oswaldo Cabrera as part of WAP. Uh, he's like WAP, option 2A. It was option 2, option 2A. <sighs> we stick it out to the trade deadline and see what Aaron Hicks has got. That's the worst option. I'd be a little disappointed going into the season if Aaron Hicks is starting in left field on opening day. I'm not even going to talk about Aaron Hicks too much because if you want to go back and look into my podcast a bit more, there's a lot more of fuck Aaron Hicks on this podcast. There's the If you want to go back, I think it's episode 25 or 26 called Yankees Downfall. I go all in. I go nuclear on Isaiah Kiner-Falefa and Aaron Hicks. There's plenty of episodes early on, too, where I just say Aaron Hicks is a bum. Fuck you, Aaron Hicks. You suck, Aaron Hicks. Aaron Hicks, get DFA'd. Again, nothing against the guy's character because he's a good dude at the end of the day. I just never liked him as a Yankee because he was always hurt. And I felt like there was always a little bit more I wanted out of him. That 2019 season for me really made me happy as a fan, and that was the potential. He always had a flair for the dramatic, too, but that's kind of disappeared. It just stinks knowing that Aaron Hicks, that deal really blew up in their face, and they said, oh, this isn't going to be another Ellsbury, and it turned into another Ellsbury. 
they're going to move him or DFA him. I don't think he'll be on the opening day roster unless there is absolutely nothing they could do about a left field spot. There's one more option here, too, that I forgot to mention when I mentioned the prospects. Estevan Floreal is a plus glove, but he can't hit at the major league level. We haven't seen him hit in the major league level. I love the Floreal hype. I have always bought into Estevan Floreal. I can see him being an option in left field, too, come opening day. Is he the best option available? Hell no! There's guys in the system I like better than Floreal at this point, but... Hey, this is a former top prospect. Former number one or number top 10 or whatever the fuck it was international prospect. Daniel De Oro, a.k.a. Esteban Floreal. I think he's going to be a solid defender if he plays for the Yankees in left field. So, again... Kind of a little shorter here today. There's only really not the only Rodon to talk about. Um, in the in within the division today, Adam Frazier signed with the Orioles on a one-year, three million deal with incentives. We also had we talked about it last night. Thor signed with the Dodgers for a one-year, twelve mil plus incentives. Not a lot of big signings today. There was also one more, I think, that happened. Omar Narvaez is going to be a Met. The Mets now have four catchers on their roster, on the Major League roster, it looks like. I know the 40-man, they have plenty, but the Mets, I think, now in total, probably counting their system, have, like, what, 15, 20 notable catchers because they got they drafted, I believe, two catchers this past year. Their top prospect, Francisco Alvarez, who's the number one prospect in baseball, surprisingly in my opinion i keep saying that is a catcher they have james mccann tomas nito like what what do you need in omar narvaez i know he's a good framer but he's not a top catcher in baseball i would have rather rolled with nito if you're gonna sign someone i know that means mccann's got to be on the move nito's got to be on the move or something else is in the works that we just don't know about the mets just weird um let's go back to my top 50 list real quick so rodan was six years 162 with the yankees i had him on my predictions back in october at four years and 110 so 110 divided by four i had 27 and a half for annual and then six by 162 or 162 divided by six is 27 so i had the aav pegged i had that right down to the dollar amount almost so give me some credit for getting the aav right on rodan i also had the yankees correct so I'll, I'll chalk this one up for the board i got i got that one right out of the top 10 free agents that i had on my bo my board there's only one available and it's dansby swanson who is my number seven free agent Aaron Judge was one, DeGrom was two, Turner three, Rodon four, Correa five, Verlander six, Swanson seven, Bogarts eight, Chris Bassett at nine, and Wilson Contreras was at ten. All the big pitching prospects and all the big pitching players are now gone. Six years of Carlos Rodon in the Bronx. So that's a right one. I had in my right, out of the rights in the top 10, I had Judge to the Yankees. I had Turner to the Phillies. 
I had Rodon. So I had one, three, and four correct. The number two was DeGrom. I had him wrong. I had him going to the Braves for three and a hundred. But he went to the Rangers for five and 185. I had Verlander wrong. I had Correa wrong. Bogart's way off. Uh, not way off, but close to the right team. Bassett wrong and Contreras wrong. I've done pretty well on these with the, at least the right team, but I've been wrong with dollar amounts and years and similar aspects. Wow, I just realized this. The Yankees are paying the same amount of money for six years of Carlos Rodon that the Mets are paying for eight years of Brandon Nimmo. Aggressive spending. The best free agent available outside of Swanson. So Dansby Swanson's the best available. The next best available free agent on my big board is Trey Mancini, who is still surprisingly unsigned. The other guy I have on my list here, I did not have Omar Narvaez because that would have been absolute insanity if he made my top 50. Adam Frazier, who is actually my 48th ranked free agent, surprisingly. He had a big down year with the Mariners, but he had still a ton of value and potential at the top of the order. He's a contact first guy, and he can play second base very well, and he can also play the corner outfield and maybe a little bit of center if needed. I had Frazier going back to the Mariners on a two-year $20 million deal, but he takes a lot less money, it looks like, to go play for the Orioles for one year at $3 million per. I like that signing for the Orioles just because they need some contact bats. And, hey, now you got second base. You can have an infield of Arias, Mountcastle, Frazier, and Gunnar Henderson or Jorge Mateo even. Or you can kick into the outfield. You can kick out my boy Frazier and keep Jorge Mateo at short, who had a pretty nice year. Former Yankee prospect too, by the way. But in the end of the day, Carlos Rodon's a Yankee. And that's... Great news for me as a Yankees fan and everyone else out there. I'm going to be releasing a projected Yankees lineup. And I'm going to be doing it for every team. We're going to be doing that starting after Christmas. Because I know this episode on a Thursday going into a Friday. My upload schedule is a little weird this week because Tuesday is my father's birthday. And today I had the Christmas party for the office. Next, starting right after Christmas, I'm going to dedicate Thursday episodes to a certain baseball team, and we're going to break down their lineup going into the year. Sometimes once football ends, we'll do two, we'll do Thursday and Saturdays, or Tuesdays, Thursdays. We'll do Tuesday, Thursdays once football ends, because basketball will take up our Saturdays, and we'll do a week in review. We'll do some guests, too, on the podcast. I've been talking to plenty of guests. And it seems like I'll be having a few more on. I'm waiting on David Gonzalez. He's going to be our next guest, most likely. Might have some other people on, either via phone call or via in the studio. It's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait. I'm looking to just really get after it now with this Christmas break coming up. It's awesome. Everyone's in the holiday spirit. The Yankees are in a good spirit, too. They're giving their fans some things to be really excited about now. Now i got to go get a bat. I'm praying it's either Ian Happ or Andrew Benintendi. I'm praying for one of them. I could be wrong about some other pieces. That, like I said, like I was wrong about, you know, Montas being an absolute stud and saying who's going to beat that team back in July and August. But, hey, Frankie Montas gets right. He's a, the best number five pitcher in baseball. 
Yankees could be sending five starting pitchers to the All-Star game. Crazy stuff, right, people? Think about it, too. They literally just gave away. I'm just thinking about this now as I'm ending the podcast, of course. Go figure. But the Yankees really just let go of Jamison Tyone and Jordan Montgomery in the last six months and turned that into Carlos fucking Rodon and Frankie Montas. I'd rather have Frankie Montas at the end of my rotation than Jordan Montgomery because Jordan Montgomery sucks. He sucks. I'm just saying. And I think that's going to be all we have for today. That's probably going to be the end of this episode. Um, I want to give a special thanks to the guys who were on yesterday. Once again, Joey Dwyer and Danny Sapola. That was an awesome episode. Please check that one out. I might be pinning that episode to our Instagram account. If you do not already follow at Nick's World of Sports on Instagram, I'm looking to grow the following there after the break, or not the break, the uh, the holiday, Christmas. I'm going to be going all in on the Instagram and TikTok accounts. I'm going to be promoting the hell out of it. I'm going to be releasing a Twitter account too. The website's going to drop. Tomorrow I'm going to be dropping images of the merch. I've been working on it. I've been working with someone on it. I still don't think it's the best, but some concepts I'm thinking of some saying, like some you know, phrases on them, some good stuff for each fan base of every sport. It'd be pretty cool. It'd be really cool. Um some other thanks I want to give out is I want to give a special thanks to Brian Cashman and Hal Steinbrenner for making this Christmas a very merry Christmas for me by getting me the two guys I wanted. Um if you want to check out another great reaction to this, if you haven't already, please go check out John Boy Media and Talking Yanks. They had a great reaction to this, too. I started to listen to it a bit on my way back to the studio from the Christmas party. I didn't get to finish it, unfortunately. But, hey, they've been doing good work all offseason covering Yanks. Um, again, shout-out to all the viewers and listeners out there. You guys make this fun for me, and you make it exciting. I love this. Um, we have some breaking news in the studio as the Thursday night game just ended and I was kind of peeping it a bit. I didn't really get a chance to watch it too much. I was watching the end of it. The 49ers have clinched the NFC West title with a win over the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. We'll cover that one on a later episode. We will break down week 15 or week 14 football we did already. Week 15 football, we will be doing a slight preview and breakdown show on Saturday. But I don't know how into it I'm going to get just because they're Saturday games. I might just say, fuck it this week, let it go, and we'll clown them on Tuesday. Anyways, thank you for tuning in, everyone. I know I've been delaying this outro now for about four minutes, and I've been chewing your ear off for 35 minutes just bullshitting, trying to get some time in. But, hey, Carlos Rodon is a New York Yankee, and the New York Yankees have the best rotation in history. And with that being said... I'm going to put you into the outro now. Enjoy some future Hendrix. Until then, I will see you guys on episode 40. Peace out.